Baptist Gospel Hour. This program is a ministry of Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland. If the Lord would lay on your heart to donate to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour, we will provide our contact information at the end of this program. We will now return to the service. Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fees. The bleeding sacrifice in my behalf appears. Before the throne, my surety stands. Before the throne, my surety stands. My name is written on his hands. He ever lives above for me to intercede. His all-redeeming love, his precious blood to plead. His blood atoned for all our race, His blood atoned for all our race, And sprinkles now the throne of grace. Five bleeding wounds He bears, Received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers, They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Nor let that ransomed sinner die. The Father hears him pray, his dear anointed one. He cannot turn away the presence of his Son. His Spirit answers to the blood, His Spirit answers to the blood, and tells me I am born of God. I now am reconciled, His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for His child, I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh, with confidence I now draw nigh, and Father of a Father bride. Luke 19 for our scripture reading this morning. Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. And let's stand as we read, please. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1 through 10. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, 
This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your great mercy and love to us. We thank you for our church. We thank you for all the blessings we have here in this place. We thank you for our pastor. We pray you bless uh, Pastor Miller as he preaches today. Speak to our hearts. Encourage uh, uh, folks. Instruct us. If there be anyone here who's not saved, help them to uh, come as Zacchaeus did and receive the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Thank you for your mercies. We pray your blessing on what we do here this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Be seated. We come to an, an interesting passage, and it has an intriguing statement in it, and that is uh, about the press. He could not for the press. I suppose I could uh, have some fun with that in parallel in today's culture and problems today. It seems like the press is uh, an impediment for getting truth to the people, and they they just have uh, uh, their obstacle that they have given to us. And uh, I could have gone there. I could have done something with that, but uh, we'll just kind of chuckle about that and and move on. Uh, Quite frankly, I I might say this. Do you know an awful lot of our opinion in the political world and what's happening in our country is pretty much formed by what we hear in the media? Be very careful about that. Whether it be from the liberal, and as President Trump uh, would refer to it as fake news, or whether it be the conservative, uh, and many times we want to think it's a little more accurate. But in all of the things they're talking about, here's what I say. I wasn't there as an eyewitness. I didn't see it. I didn't hear it. All I know is their opinion. And we're basing an awful lot on their opinion, their perspective, and their view. And so we really need to be careful how we let the media impact our thinking and even our emotional status from day to day and week to week because um, it can have a big part in our daily life. And uh, just so you know, I I work from a biblical and very conservative perspective. I judge things of what I hear uh, according to the Bible and what, what seems like common sense or nonsense or any of that. And then I just kind of wait to see where reality sets in with that. But uh, this is not talking about the media in our passage. It is talking about a large crowd. And uh, there was a large crowd that appeared to be an interference between Jesus Christ and Zacchaeus. And we learn here that the Lord did not allow that to stop him from doing what his work and his purpose was all about. This record is a testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he does not allow that to happen and he's able to accomplish his purpose regardless of the circumstances within the community, within the culture, even within the government. For he came to seek and to save that which was lost. 
Now, when we read the first three verses, we learn a great deal about this particular incident in the Lord's life. It talks about how it came to pass that on uh, one of, whoops here, I better get back to verse 19. I need to turn my page back. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. We learn an awful lot about verse one, from verse 1, 2, and 3. The Lord was headed back to Jerusalem. We already understand that. And he had to pass through Jericho. And he wasn't staying there. He was simply passing through the city of Jericho. Now, this city is about 18 miles. I believe it's to the east of Jerusalem. And it is considered the eastern gate of commerce and, and trafficking and all of that from the east to the west. We have one or two corridors through Loveland from the east to the west. This was a major corridor through that uh, land of Judah uh, from east to west and it was a major commerce city, a very wealthy city. And what was also typical of these cities that were uh, the center of commerce, they were also the center of wickedness. And so it was both wealthy and wicked, and the Lord was going through that on his way to Jerusalem. And we understand and we know this was going to be his last trip to Jerusalem. He had an appointment with Mount Calvary. And that was just uh, more than a week, but it wasn't long uh, in the future at that point. And so we know where he was headed, why he was headed, and he came through this city. It's an interesting city. Do you remember that this city had a great curse upon it? This was the city, Jericho, that Joshua first conquered. When they first came into the promised land and it had a, a miraculous conquest uh, when uh, Joshua and all of the people, uh, I mean, how do slaves go and conquer land? They're not masters of, of military and they don't have a great stash of weaponry and, and all of that. They just had the mighty power of the hand of God. And as they came, you recall how they uh, spied out the city. And then uh, uh, after that, they move in. They march around the city once a day for what was it, uh, six days. And on the seventh day, they marched around at seven days and the city just collapses. And they conquer the city. And when everything was said and done, Joshua said, cursed be the man that rebuilds a city and it would impact his son. Well, during the days of Ahab, a man did try to rebuild that city and he experienced the full curse that was placed upon that city within his family. And so that's a little history of what we have with the city of Jericho. There, there was other occasions, other events in the Old Testament that took place, but I think that one is significant. And here's a spiritual lesson. Here's a cursed city. The Lord Jesus Christ just passed through. That wasn't going to be a staying place. He was just passing through. But as he passed through the cursed city, there was a sinner he needed to reach with the gospel. In some ways, at the end of his ministry, it is similar to the early part of his ministry, like John 4 with Samaria. He says, I must needs go through Samaria. 
because there was a Samaritan woman that needed to hear the gospel that got saved, and then several, as a result of that, was saved. Here he's on the way out of his ministry. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He goes through the city of Jericho, and there's a crowd and all of that that is happening, but he needed to go through because there was a man that needed to get saved that was there. And this is a great picture of the work of Christ. He left his heavenly home and came to this sin-cursed world not to stay. In fact, he was born to die. Uh, I don't know how you look at life, but when I was born, I was born to live and live as long as God would give me health, strength, and breath. But the Lord Jesus Christ, he was born to a short life a little over 30 years, and he was born to die. He didn't come here to stay. He came to this sin-cursed world to seek and to save that which is lost. And so here we have a little picture in a city of the greater work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we, we know where he is, where he was going through. And we're also introduced to Zacchaeus. He was a man of small stature. I had to chuckle as I came up through high school. Now, I've never, I understand that I was supposed to be of average height, but it seems like there's an awful lot more that are taller than average height. And uh, through the years, uh, I have had the privilege of having some very tall gentlemen and, and uh, teens as my friend. In high school, several of my friends were several inches, almost a foot taller than me. And uh, I just had to chuckle. It's like Mutt and Jeff or something. And I think they call the tall guy Mutt, but I'm not sure. <laughs> At least from our perspective, that's what we should do. But, but um, uh, being smaller of stature. Here was a man. Uh, maybe our evangelist Chuck Crabtree would uh, identify with him as a man small of stature and not very tall with that. But also we discover, being a small man, he had big power. He had sold himself out to the Roman government. He is identified not only as a publican, but as the chief of publicans. To remind you of what a publican is, it was a Jewish person <clears throat> that had sold out to the Roman government to become a tax collector of their people. He was despised. He was disgusting to many. He the only friends he had probably was other publicans. Um, and it seems like tax collectors kind of get that identity, but it was even worse during this time because in collecting taxes, it was not simply a matter of collecting what people owed to the government. But they were allowed and empowered to force you to give more than that, and that was their wage. That was their salary. If I understand it correctly, Rome did not pay them a salary for their work. They said, here's how you get your salary, is you get our tax money, and you take whatever else you can get, and that's your salary. And obviously, for somebody to become a publican, uh, they were not somebody of great character 
or of great honesty. They were the kind that would thrive on taking anything and everything they could in the process of collecting the taxes. And he was so good at it, he was not just one of the workforce, he was the chief of the workforce. That was this man. Not only was he despised by the people, but he was shut out of the temple. He could not come to the temple. He could not come into the temple. He was barred, you might say, from the mercy seat that was at the ark or at the sacrifices that could atone for sin. So here was a man, though barred from the mercy seat, was coming and looking for Jesus Christ, who was the author of the mercy seat and could give mercy and grace. So here's Zacchaeus. Now here's a little ironic thing about his name. Zacchaeus means pure or the righteous one. Can you imagine referring to the public one? Oh, righteous one, I need to deal with my taxes today. Or... uh, coming into a household, knocking on the door, or however they addressed a household, and said, I'm the righteous one. I'm here to take your taxes and whatever else I can get. Now that name was given to him by his parents. Undoubtedly, they had higher hopes for their son, as many times some parents have had. And I can only envision the heartache that his parents probably felt by what their son had become in his life. I wonder how many times his parents prayed that he would get right with God and turn away from his work and stop being a scoundrel and start walking with God. Do you know what? Here's a testimony that God hears and answers those prayers. We, really, we don't know anything about the parents. But if they did pray, their prayer was answered on this day when Jesus came to town. He was so intent on meeting the Lord Jesus, he violated cultural protocol of manners for men. Men typically did not run. That was an embarrassing activity. They, they handled themselves, and I don't know if I want to say with more dignity. I don't know if it, a man that never runs is more dignified than a man that does run once in a while. But in their culture and in their robes, a man simply didn't run. And he was so intent on seeing Jesus. And, and, and we're not introduced and were not told what motivated him so desperately that he would run and get to a point ahead of the crowd and climb up into a tree. And that would be another one that just wouldn't fit the manners of men of that day. But climb up into the tree just so he could see Jesus walk by. But we do know this. He was intent on seeing Jesus on that day. Now, the next thing that sticks out on this record are all the obstacles to the Lord's work. Do you know when we 
step out to do the Lord's work, there's always a host of obstacles that can get in the way. As you step out, Brother Bean, to to start this work, you'll have a little greater sympathy for this pastor, (laughs) for the obstacles. You'll, You'll know firsthand. You've witnessed some of it. Now you'll experience it firsthand. You'll know of all of the obstacles that seem to can, that can get in the way of staying focused. And that's what I thought about here with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I talked about the press and the crowd that, that was making it difficult for Zacchaeus to be able to either get to Jesus or see him. But really, they were a barrier between Christ and the sinner and the sinner and Christ. And here's some of the obstacles that I thought about in this particular event. And the first one is the unspoken obstacle. The Lord Jesus Christ, just within a brief period of time ahead of him, has an appointment with the cross. And not only with the cross, but all that it entailed with the trial and the beating and the the lying and, and the slander and all of the scandal that leads up to being crucified and that point where he takes upon him that was a spiritual burden of the sin of the whole world and to be forsaken by his father. Now, folks, you think about something like that coming up in a couple of weeks. And imagine how it impacts your focus. You have a major surgery that is set before you. And it's scheduled a couple of weeks out. And it can impact your thinking and your focus. If somebody said, okay, you have two weeks to live and then you're going to die. And not only are you going to die, but it's going to be a very brutal death. How's that going to work on your focus of the work for the next couple of weeks? You see, there's the unspoken obstacle. Sometimes the sacrifices of a work can distract us from the very essence of the work. And the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ was essential. And it was the ultimate of the work for which he came. But he did not let that sacrifice interfere with the focus of the work at hand as he walked through the city of Jericho. I guess I would like to make a comparison, and and as serious as this was for Adam, it, it pales compared to what Christ was going through. But Adam, had our, our uh, missionary, has been committed to getting the uh, Bible translated so that people can have an affordable copy uh, of the Bible in their own language and an accurate copy. And then he uh, was diagnosed with colon cancer. And it really took a big chunk of his life on hold for an extended period of time. And a little bit of a sacrifice of the work to do God's work. I don't know that he ever was sidetracked or lost focus. His health and his ability was limited for quite a while. 
But do you know there are sacrifices in the work of the ministry? And there are folks here that will make sacrifices, oh, not like Jesus Christ did. Maybe not like Adam did. But there's going to be sacrifices in the work of the ministry. And in the work of serving the Lord Jesus Christ, And sometimes we can become more focused on that sacrifice than the work that God has called us to do. And when it came to the Lord Jesus Christ, he did not let the sacrifice that was set before him distract him from the work that was immediately in front of him. And and so uh, that was one that I thought was uh, a distraction. Another interference or obstacle would be the popularity and the flattery of the curious crowd. Now, there was a large crowd that had gathered around them. They may likewise have been pilgrims that were headed to Jerusalem for the Passover. And for many, Jericho would be that last stop en route to Jerusalem. And there was undoubtedly a large gathering of pilgrims. And when it came time to the Passover, there would be these pilgrimages of Jewish people coming from all different directions. And they would gather in a legal caravan heading to Jerusalem for the Passover. And they would bunch up like that so they could help one another and fellowship one another as they would travel towards Jerusalem with that. And in this one, there was a large gathering of people and so large that it became an impediment between Jesus and the sinner that needed Jesus. And do you know, sometimes the popularity or the flattery of the curious crowd can get in our way of doing what is needed for an individual. We can become so enamored with that popularity and not see a real need within our work of the ministry. There's the risk of becoming submerged in what may appear to be good. And we're not going to deny that the Lord had a good opportunity to be an influence and a testimony and to teach and and to witness to the crowd that was around him. But sometimes there is the urgency of a ministry where there is someone that needs our personal attention right now. And here was one that needed the personal attention of Jesus Christ right now. But it was also the same crowd that created another obstacle and prevented Zacchaeus from coming to Jesus. And so, as I mentioned, it was not only uh, Jesus was on one side of the crowd and they kept would keep him sidetracked and lose focus of reaching someone, but Zacchaeus was on the other side and it was that same crowd that didn't let Zacchaeus come to Jesus. Aren't we glad Jesus didn't let that stop? Stop it. That's the marvel and the beauty and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But I think we have an important lesson here. Let us be careful that within our church family, we don't become so focused upon us as a church family that we neglect the urgency of reaching an individual that is just beyond our church family. Now, we're not a big crowd. 
we would be considered a smaller church. But even that can happen within a smaller church. We can become so focused upon our circle within our church family that we neglect the spiritual need of someone that is looking and searching and wanting the truth that's just beyond there. Let us be sensitive, just like the Lord Jesus Christ was. And then the last obstacle I want to mention is the opinion of the crowd. The Lord often revealed how fickle and selfish crowds can be. And that was true probably of this group that he was dealing with. Uh, In one case, in John chapter 6, they were all about coming and getting fed. And when he dealt with biblical truth, many went back and followed him no more. They were very fickle. And they were very selfish about what they wanted. Well, here was a crowd. We really don't know what the discussion was, but it all appears that they were very enamored with Jesus Christ. They were following him. They, they probably uh, were interested to hear what he had to say. They may have had somebody that needed to be healed or, or whatever, and they were there for whatever reason. Some of them may have had more noble reasons than others. We really don't know. But we know that there was a, a large enough element that really did not have a spiritual heart about the work of Christ. Because when Jesus Christ reached out to Zacchaeus, they murmured. They had a spirit of murmuring. And any time you find that in the Bible, it is never good. A spirit of murmuring is sin, and it's never good. And they probably went from commending how wonderful he was to criticizing him for going to the house of a sinner. Where'd they get that idea? From the self-righteous Pharisees. They wouldn't do it. Be careful what influences our thinking as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see those four obstacles A crucial truth about Jesus Christ, he never allowed the prevailing obstacles of the crowd to interfere with his purpose to seek and to save that which is lost. Which now brings us to the heart of this text, the salvation of Zacchaeus. You see, in verse 9, the Lord said, This day is salvation, come to this house. We don't have a full record of all that transacted in this encounter with Zacchaeus. We, we know that Zacchaeus was up the tree trying to see the Lord Jesus Christ. He comes along, the Lord stops, looks up. I wonder if it almost embarrassed him or he was just glad to be noticed. And he says, Zacchaeus, come down for I'm going to your house this day. I mean, wow, what an exciting thing. And everybody looking to him? He's the chief publican. We know that. We don't know if food was served. We don't know if they had roasted lamb and, and uh, leeks and garlic and onion. And I don't know what else they would add to their meals there. We don't know what they had to eat. We don't know anything about his house. It was probably for all of his wealth. He said to be a very rich man for all of his wealth. It was probably a fairly nice house. 
He may have had servants. We don't even know the conversation between the Lord Jesus Christ and Zacchaeus. As John says, the books couldn't contain everything that the Lord did. And so we didn't get all of that. But we know that the Lord gave him the right message to understand what it means to receive salvation. And so this day, through all that transpired, the Lord Jesus Christ says, salvation has come to this house. Have you uh, ever encountered professions of faith and wonder if they really did get saved? I think many of us have have observed that and encountered that. Uh, It may be that you or I have led somebody to the Lord and and afterwards the real question is, did they get saved or did they just say a prayer? And and you hear a lot of people talk about uh, being a Christian and uh, the thing that that really bothers me is they talk about uh, God and talking about being a believer and, and within moments, the vulgarity and the profanity that comes out of their mouth is just mortifying. And it's a reproach to a holy God. And, and so then the question begs, well, did, are they really saved? Are they really believers? What really happened? Do you know what? There's no question like that left about Zacchaeus. And I'll give you a couple reasons why we know that. One, Jesus said he was saved. Salvation has come to this household. He knew the heart of Zacchaeus, and he said he was saved. <clears throat> but there's something else that leaves a testimony of a changed heart. Saving grace is transforming grace. It changes you from the inside out, from the heart out. People can, can outwardly conform to some biblical behavior, but their heart has never been changed. And eventually that conforming to biblical behavior will come to an end because the hardest thing to do in life is to pretend to be a Christian without the enabling of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It is a spiritual life. But here in this man's life, there were some real changes that took place. Dynamic change. I want you to look at Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And verse 21. Testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks. Now let me stop here because we're dealing with repentance. There's a wide movement that doesn't think repentance is needed anymore. And they try to say, well, that was just preached to the Jewish people in the gospel. Here is the message in the book of Acts where the the evangelism of the church moved beyond Jerusalem to reach the Gentiles. And it is said right here, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, which means the non-Jewish people, Gentile people. And the first thing is repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. This is... 
the two parts of one thing. Now, we're not talking about penance. The apostasy of Catholicism talks about penance, and they tell you, go do something so then you can have the blessing of God upon you. That's not what we're talking about. Repentance is not a means to get salvation. Repentance is a result of what's happening within salvation. When God is working in your heart, repentance is not works that you do, but the works that you do and change is the result of repentance in the heart. It is a heart, it is a spirit of repentance. And what it is, it is seeing sin as God sees sin. It is seeing righteousness as God sees righteousness. It is seeing God's judgment upon sin as right as God sees it. That's why many times you will see those that come to saving faith. And and it doesn't always happen this way. But many times you will see when people come to that point of salvation and they realize the, the sinfulness of sin in their lives, that you will see them weeping when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Because they see sin in them as God sees it. That's the dynamic difference. Now, as we come back here, Zacchaeus saw the things in his life and undoubtedly the things in his heart that was wrong. And he turned from it. Repentance causes a turn and it causes a change in our thinking and in our actions. And this happened with Zacchaeus. We don't know what all the Lord taught him. We don't know what all the Lord preached to this man. But when it was done, and at the point of salvation, he then immediately says, looking at uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 8, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You know, here was a a wicked man, an outcast, but he still knew the law. Because what he was saying he would do was according to the law that Moses had given. He still knew the law. And he was willing to follow that in his restoration of all of his thievery. Now, that's a big change. You know that a change has come to a person when they look at their possessions in a different manner. Where they see all of their resources, all of their finances, all of their wherewithal belonging to God and no longer their own ownership. Here is a man that was saved And he was changed from the inside out. You know, we could compare this man to Nicodemus who came to the Lord by night. And the 
the Lord told him, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was a lost man as he came to the Lord Jesus Christ. In this particular record of Luke chapter 19, here's a wicked man. In John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came, he was still a spiritually lost man. He was was a, a part of the religious hierarchy. He probably kept the law like Paul said he kept the law. He probably was an honest man, a moral man, a man that had ethics, a very religious man, but he was still lost, and he needed to be saved. Now, a religious man like Nicodemus, when he gets saved, there still changes within the heart. Obviously, a lot of his action and behavior is not going to change because he's already doing things with moral integrity. He's already doing things ethically. He's already going to church. But there's a change in his heart, which means you'll notice a change in his spirit. You'll notice a change in how he speaks. You'll notice a change in where his focus and his priorities are. Whether a man be as self-righteous as Nicodemus or as evil as Zacchaeus, when there is a change that takes place in the heart, it will be noticed in the life. You go back, I believe, in the Old Testament when they were looking, uh, Samuel was looking who to pick for a king. And And God said, man looks on the outward, I look on the inward. And a lot of people have tried to use that as an excuse for a a sinful life and say, well, God just knows what's in the heart of me. You know, the fact of the matter is, yeah, God does know what's in the heart. And what your life is, is revealing what's in the heart. And you can try to hide behind that all you want, but it's no secret to the rest of the world. There's a dynamic change that takes place. I want to consider a very couple very crucial and practical lessons as we close. First, if you do not have Christ as your Savior, do not let any obstacle get in the way. Zacchaeus didn't let the crowd physically. He did not let their opinion of him stop him. My friend, When Jesus said he came to seek and to save that which is lost, he is speaking about you. And how will you know if you're really saved? Some people will say, well, I I wonder if I'm saved. I wonder if I'm really saved. I wonder if I'm really, really, really saved. You will know because there will be a dynamic change in your heart that changes things in your life. And others will see it. Secondly, a great lesson here is speaking to every believer. We are commanded to put on the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. And on the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ, he refused to allow the obstacles of daily life prevent him from doing his work, seeking the lost so they can be saved. You and I and all that we have to do can have all of these obstacles come up and interferences and challenges. Let's be careful we do not let the obstacles keep us from doing what God has called us to do. And that's the great work of Jesus Christ to seek and to save that which was lost.
It is a matter of eternal consequences for them. And I got to thinking about this. I wasn't thinking of our theme as I was working and preparing the lesson, but as I was closing out the lesson and thinking about the great truths that we learn from Jesus in this, it really is an application of this year's theme. It's a matter of launching out into the deep to do the work of Christ at His command. It takes a step of faith and an act of obedience. And then we'll see how the Lord rewards. Let us be faithful like our Lord Jesus Christ was. Father, we come to you this morning, and and what a passage and what a lesson. Let us learn from this. And again, Lord, if there's someone here that, that is without Christ as their Savior, Father, I plead and I beg that today would be that day that they would come with repentance and faith to receive you as their Savior. And then also, Father, I pray for us as believers that we would be faithful to the work you have called us to do. I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Foothills Baptist Gospel Hour. For more information about Foothills Baptist Church of Loveland, Colorado, you may visit our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com. If you wish to donate to this radio ministry, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Once more, please make your check payable to Foothills Baptist Church and mail to P.O. Box 771, Loveland, Colorado, 80539. Or you may go to our website at foothillsbaptistchurch.com and click on the Give tab. We would love to have you visit our regular Sunday services with morning worship at 9.30, Sunday school at 10.50, and Sunday evening at 5 o'clock. And until we meet again, be sure you are... Living by faith, living by faith, in Jesus above, in Jesus above, trusting, confiding, abiding in His great love, yes, in His great love. From all arms safe in the sheltering arm, the sheltering arm. I'm living by faith. I'm living by faith and feel no alone. Sweet.
1360 and the uncensored radio you get to listen to every day? KHNC has launched a listener sponsorship fundraiser to raise the money needed to replace our old failing transmitter. Your generous donation will help make this much-needed upgrade happen so you and future generations can continue to hear the uncensored truth for decades to come. By donating and becoming a KHNC sponsor, you will receive the new AM1360 t-shirt, a bumper sticker, and the new limited edition one-ounce pure silver KHNC coin. Also, for being part of this exclusive group, you will receive the monthly KHNC newsletter. The sponsorship package requires a minimum donation of $100, although donations of any amount will be greatly appreciated. 
You can help us purchase the new transmitter by going to 1360KHNC.com and clicking the Donation tab at the top of the page. Again, that's 1360KHNC.com and click the Donation tab. Thank you. Reasons to Own Gold. Brought to you by the Patriot Trading Group at allamericangold.com. Reason number 647. Most people don't even know that the courts have already ruled. Once money is deposited into the bank, the bank owns the money, and the depositor is merely an unsecured creditor of the bank. Which means if the bank goes under, you get paid last. After the financial crisis, instead of breaking up too big to fail, the government and the Federal Reserve created Dodd-Frank and made too big to fail banks even bigger while putting your deposits more at risk. I'm Joe Jaquin, CEO of the Patriot Trading Group. To learn more, visit us at allamericangold.com or call us at 800 951 the Blue Dragon Spa is a man-friendly spa with women bringing their husbands and significant others in for pedicures all the time. Men's feet hurt too, don't forget. Blue Dragon Spa, 1811 Hover Street, Suites A&B, Longmont, Colorado, 720-680-0492, ETI is your local one-stop shop for all your heavy equipment needs. From rebuilding your components to helping manage your fleet, our goal is to make your life simple. Our full-service hydraulic and machine shop will meet all your expectations. We also offer free pickup and delivery. Call Jeff at 970-685-2064 with any questions or to schedule a pickup. Again, that's 970-685-2064. Yes, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Let us help. Listen to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Saturdays at 11, right here on AM 1360. The globalists say resistance is futile. Will you choose to accept your slavery or declare your liberty? Find out how on Pac-Man and the Rev, Saturdays from 1 to 2. Sometimes the truth hurts. You're listening to the Roar of the Rockies, 1360 AM, KHNC, Johnstown, Greeley, Loveland, Fort Collins. 